Cheryl, can you get me a drink of water, please? Okay, I'm going to, um, I'm actually going to speak into this mic this morning, which is a little bit weird, because I know you guys can hear me, but I'll tell you why, because um, we have, uh, we've been recording the messages, and so if you've missed a, a message, especially over the last few weeks, um, we are, this is, this could be, uh, up, up to this point, this is prob- this is the most important um, series of, of messages that we have looked at together. Um, we want to be formed by God's Word. So that's why we're looking at uh, values. We're, we're looking at what God's Word says about the things that we should value as a church. And we're taking our cues from the church that first existed in Jerusalem. When the apostles were commissioned by God to make disciples of all nations. And then, following that command, uh, Jesus said to them that I want you to stay in Jerusalem, uh, remain here, so that you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You will receive power, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And he said that they're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, the surrounding region that they live. They're, they're basically their home country and to the ends of the earth. And so we are, we are going back to that time and we're seeing what did God want his, uh, how did God form, really, how did God form his disciples into a church? What were the things that they valued and how does God want then to form us? into the kind of church that he wants us to be. So, these messages are extremely important. Uh, I say all that by, by way of introduction of this message this morning, but also to say, look, go find those messages and, and listen to them the last few weeks and know them. They're so important for us as a family. So, this morning we're going to talk about community. Community. And uh, I'm going to shuffle some things around here so that I can actually manage to do, you know, Bible, notes, holding a microphone, and all this stuff at the same time. So bear with me. We looked at, we, lo- we're, we, we heard that passage read just a moment ago. And I think most of us, when we hear, the, we hear that passage from Acts, we think, Wow. That's what I do. I mean, that's the first thing word I say. Wow, or maybe awesome, or that's rad, or um, totes, man. You know, that's just something's going on there. This is just an amazing story. How in the world um, could all of these wonders and signs happen? You know, we sang that song a moment ago. There's a burning in my soul. Did you catch some of the words? Some of the, some of the things that were expressed in that song? God is here. His power is here. There's something going on. We're together. We are a community. God is working. And signs and wonders are being done. And, and people were believing. And they had things in common. And they sold their possessions and they distributed to anyone who had need. Later on, we see in Acts chapter 4 that there were no needs among the early church. That they met them all. Now, it it wasn't always like that. But that's what they were doing under the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to focus in on these last two verses. And we're going to try to see this morning what a community actually is. Take uh, Take a look at these these quotes. They're not in your notes, but 
They'll, they'll be up on the screen. And I want us to see, just, here's, a, here's a few smart people who have been working in God's service and in community for a long time. Here's what one said. A community of Christ followers on mission with God in obedience to the Holy Spirit that demonstrates tangibly and declares creatively the gospel of Jesus Christ to a specific pocket of people. So that's his definition of a community. And we would add the word missional community. We talk about being a church that is formed up of missional communities. That's the people that follow Christ and they're on mission and they're doing these things through the power of of the Spirit. And then look at the next one. Here's another one, um, a quote by J.R. Woodward. He said that missional communities are a sent people who connect with God. They do life together. Don't miss that. Do life together and receive power from the Holy Spirit to partner with God to accomplish His purposes in our neighborhoods and the world. Love it. I love it. The last one is really simple. Jeff Vanderstelt, pastor over at Soma Communities over in Tacoma. Um, what, a, what a great thing they've got going on there. They're doing wonderful things. I've learned so much from them. And here's what he said. A missional community is a family. A family of missionary servants who make disciples who make disciples. Those bold words there, those are his. He wants us to make sure that we don't miss that. It's a family of missionary servants. So I, I, want you, I hope you're taking notes because there's a lot of stuff in here and there's a, there's a lot of blanks on the back of your page. Um, so, so track with me. This is important stuff you'll want to come back to later on. But the first point I want us to see, and this really is the big idea. If you don't get anything else from this message, fill in the blank on this one and know it and believe it. That's what's going on here. A followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus experience community by doing life together. Followers of Jesus experience community by doing life together. Now, the rest of the message is simply going to unpack what that means from right from scripture. We're going to see right in the book of Acts what life together looked like for these Christians. But that is the big idea. That is the main thing. Folks, when we leave here this morning, the message of community, who do you belong with, is this. We experience community by doing life together. Look at verse 42 one more time. I know I'm going to focus on 46 and 47, but look at verse 42. We we looked at this uh, verse a few weeks ago, actually the very first Sunday of, of this message series. But look again at what the apostles or the disciples, the believers, were devoted to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. The fellowship. This word right here, the fellowship, it only occurs one time in the entire book of Acts. Right here. Right here at Acts chapter 2, Luke is summarizing, he gives these summary statements throughout the first few chapters of Acts. And he says, this is what was going on. This is what was important. And this is what God was doing based through this message and through the miracles of the apostles. And he says it only one time. He says it's fellowship. He says the fellowship. The Greek word, I'm going to go geek on you and I'm going to give you the Greek word. And you don't have to write it down if you don't want to. 
And I didn't even put it up on the slide because I was a little scared about going too geek on you. But the word is koinonia. Ever heard that word before? Have you ever heard the word koinonia before? I have. I heard it. In fact, my grandma used to talk. I remember my grandma who passed away last year. I remember her talking about koinonia. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What is this? And uh, koinonia, it's a simple word. It's actually kind of fun to say. You want to say it with me? Koinonia? Okay, well, all right. So you'll, you'll get it. You'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it the more you say it. Um, this word koinonia is, it, we, 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 get it, we get the translation as fellowship. And you know what most of us think about when we think of fellowship, don't we? Those of us who've been in church for a while, anyway, we think of a, of a hall. We think of a fellowship hall. We think of a place in the church where we get together and we eat together. Or maybe, maybe we expand that and we think fellowship. Okay, we're, that means we're going to do fun stuff together that's not spiritual. That's, that's kind of what we think. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you, can, you can talk to me afterwards if you have a different view. But... We think of those fun things that we do together. We get together. We, we, we do activities. We go. We enjoy games together. We eat food together. And we think of those things as non-spiritual things. Like, fellowship is what we do together when we're not studying the Bible. Well, the actual word here, koinonia, was much more than just having fun together. It included that. But it was much more than that. The, the actual definition of this word um, is close association involving mutual interests and sharing. Okay? I'm not going to unpack all of those because it's pretty, it seems pretty obvious that close association, it's togetherness. And there's mutual interests and mutual sharing. There's, 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 a, there's this... There's this Togetherness that we don't often see. That we see that kind of togetherness in our families, don't we? In our nuclear families, right? When we are doing things together, we're eating meals together, we sleep in the same house together, we play games together, we go on vacations together. We do all of those things. That's koinonia. That's fellowship. We call it community. That's why we're using the word community, and, and that's why I'm, I'm unpacking what community is. Here are some, here are some quotes by uh, a guy named Alan Hirsch, um, and he's written some really great things about community. Look what he says about community here. The most vigorous forms of community are those that come together in the context of a shared ordeal, or those that define themselves as a group with a mission that lies beyond themselves. Thus initiating ooh, a risky journey. Too much concern with safety and security combined with comfort and convenience has lulled us out of our true calling and purpose. That's what he had to say about community, about what it is, about what this koinonia is all about, and what is dangerous for us, what competes with koinonia. He also said this, that community involves adventure and movement, and it describes that unique experience of togetherness that really happens only among a group of people inspired by the vision of a better world and actually attempting to do something about it. So, what, so how does one experience this community? How does one experience this? So here's, here's some blanks in your notes. I, w I know you're wanting to fill in these blanks. Let's look at this. 
Number one, community, they share meals. If you want to experience that kind of community, share meals. Look what they did together. Look, look at the, I'm going to skip a couple of phrases. Verse 46, jump with me to the very last phrase in that verse. And it says, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, literally, they were sharing food. And with glad, they were sharing food with joy or in joy and that generous heart, generous hearts, simplicity of heart is actually probably a literal, literal way of put that, putting that simplicity of heart. The reason why I'm, I'm mentioning this first is that this is the actual main clause in these verses. So the, the readers who are reading this originally, they were reading through this and they were seeing these things. And when they got to that phrase, they identified, based on the way Luke wrote it, they identified this is the big idea. This is the main thing. This is the main point. It's the central action of the disciples in their experience of community. It was was how they did life together. And it wasn't a chore. It wasn't a task to do. It wasn't a program. It wasn't an activity of the church in the sense that we've got it on our schedule and we've got it programmed into the life of our church. No, it was a joy. They wanted to be with each other. They wanted to share that community with each other. They wanted to eat in each other's homes and share that, those meals together. They enjoyed it, and they enjoyed their community. They were generous, that, that glad or that generous hearts, um, the simplicity of heart. They lived so simply that they could be generous with others. How many of us have a hard time... Uh, boy, I was going to say it. How many of us have a hard time giving? When a need arises and we think, oh, I wish I could meet that need. We hear about a need and we go, oh boy, I'm, I'm strapped. I, you know, I don't get paid till the end of the month. It's all budgeted out. That's the way we live. That's our culture. It's expected. I mean, it's kind of the way things go. But... What they did was they had simplicity of heart. Generous hearts. The translation is accurate. Generous hearts. Because they lived so simply that they could be generous to others. And we're going to talk more about that next week in the next message. But another way of saying this is that their hearts were content. They were content. And so look what they, what, look what they did before. They sold their possessions. They, they distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Because they were, they were living and experiencing community with generosity. Look what else, though. So there are three or four other things that are connected to this idea, this main, this main idea of the fact that they shared meals together. And the first one, all the way back at verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together. Yeah, that's the end of the phrase there. That's the end of that little phrase. <laughs> Attending the temple together. They, listen to what they did. Gather in common places. So you want to experience community? Gather in common places. Literally, they were being devoted with one mind in the temple or to the temple. They were, they were devoted to being together in the temple. The temple was the common gathering place in Jerusalem. 
was the common gathering place in Jerusalem. In another town, in the er- around the, uh, in that area, it might have been the synagogue where they had a meeting place for the Jewish people to gather together in community to take care of civic duties and to worship and to hear God's word. Outside of Judea. In, in other parts of the country at the time, it may have been a marketplace or maybe a riverside or, uh, oh, I don't know, a town hall or something like that. So what would that be for us? Well, it would certainly be the buildings that we gather in. If, if, we are, if, if you're a church that has a building and owns, a, owns property, that's a gathering place. They were devoted to that. They were devoted to gathering in that place. For, um, for us, well, it might be the community center, right? <laughs> Here we are. We have a place to gather together in a community center. It, it could be a park or a coffee house or a gym or a break room or a classroom. Anywhere where the community can gather together, to, the community can be gathered for worship. Gathering is a big deal. That's what we do. That's why we call this time on Sunday morning. Actually, I purposefully don't call it a worship service or that we're going to go to church. Because the church is what? Who? It's the people. We don't go to church. We are the church. So what we do is we gather together. That's why we call this a worship gathering. Because that's what we do. We're gathering together. The church gathered for worship. And they gathered at the temple. We gather in our places as well. What What else does a community do? Celebrate communion. Celebrate communion. It says that the next phrase, and breaking bread in their homes, or literally, they broke bread at home, or, or some translations even say they broke bread from house to house. The picture of this is the community scattered. The community scattered in homes all throughout the city. They, in order to share that kind of rich fellowship over a meal and over a celebration of communion, they couldn't do it in the temple courts. They did it in their homes. In fact, we, ne- we never get a picture of them c- celebrating communion in the temple. They didn't do communion in the temple. We do, we do it in our gathering place, don't we? And I think it's entirely appropriate to do it there. We celebrate that symbolic meal. But what they were doing was they were celebrating community in the, const- in the context of actually having meals together. That's pretty rich. You know, think about that. Think about what the implications of that would be. Think about how rich our family experience would be, our community experience would be, if we added the communion celebration. And look what else they did. Uh, After it says, after he says, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, verse 47, the very first phrase, two words, praising God, praising God. This probably is referring back to the content of their time gathered. What, did, what do we do when we gather? Why do we call it a worship gathering? Because the, the, the main point of our time together is to worship together, to have that kind of communion. So we praise God. So what we do if we want to experience that kind of community is we worship authentically. We worship authentically. We come as we are. This is who we are. We worship. This is all I've got. Okay? You know, sometimes I might put on a suit. 
not probably too much in the Northwest, but down in the South, I put on a suit every once in a while. It doesn't matter. I, you know, it is who we are. We can't cover up what's in our heart. We come to God and we give Him our heart. That's why we sing those kinds of songs like, Lord, I come. I need you. Lord, I need you. Here's, here's, here is my offering to you. It's all I have. We worship authentically. We, when we're gathered together, we praise God. They were devoted, yes, to learning from Scripture. We saw that back in verse 42. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But they were devoted to learning from Scripture. And we hear a message this morning like I'm giving to you. And that's a means of praising God. That's a means of us worshiping. When we're attentive to God's Word, we are worshiping. When we are singing together, when we harmonize, and when we actually sing out and not just keep it inside, which is easy to do and it's a new song, right? Um, but when we are singing out our praises, that's a means of praising God. Their chief end, just as ours is, like the old catechism says, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. They wanted to glorify God. The ultimate for them was praise. The reason why we have mission is because worship doesn't exist in many parts and in many places. So we are on mission so that we can exalt God and worship Him and praise Him when we're gathered together. So re don't forget those four things. Share meals. Gather in common places. Celebrate communion. Worship authentically. These are the marks of the gathered church, of the church in community. This community doesn't happen by accident, nor did the followers of Jesus just created themselves. They didn't make this up. It happened because they positioned themselves to experience the community that God himself created in Jesus. And the result was, what was the result? They received grace from him. So let's look at the result here. The next big idea is that followers of Jesus receive grace in community. They receive grace and community. They received it in two distinct ways. I want to show you this. First of all, they had favor with outsiders. Favor with outsiders. Look what it says. It says specifically they, they were having favor with all the people. And it doesn't say some of the people. It says all the people. All the people who witnessed the disciples, they witnessed these followers of Jesus, had, they gave them favor. That word for favor is grace. It's grace. They received grace from the people. The other people looked on and they said, said there is something about this community that is pretty awesome. They looked at, they acknowledged that these followers of Jesus had something that they wanted, that the, at the very least that they respected. How many of us, individually, as a community, as a church, can have that said about us? At the very least, they say, oh, I like those guys. I, I like that church. But so often, it's, oh, yeah, I heard about them. Oh, yeah, I, I visited one time. They weren't very welcoming to me. Or, oh, I... You go on and on and on. By this... All people will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, if you have love 
for one another. What the, pe- what the outsiders were seeing in this community was the kind of community that was demonstrating love to each other. They saw that, well, these people are doing life together. They are sharing meals together. They are gathering together. They are scattered in their homes. They are praising and worshiping God. There's something going on here. It's that they love each other. But look what Jesus did. Look what God did through this community. Growth. Growth in followers of Jesus. Growth in followers of Jesus. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now we're getting to the exciting point. Now I'm going to start preaching. Because, holy cow, when I read that, every time I've read this in my entire life, even as a young person, I've thought, oh my goodness, I want to see that happen. Day by day, people are coming to know Jesus? Are you kidding me? The Lord added their added numbers to them daily, added people to them, added souls that were being saved. This, this means that it was an ongoing, that word added, they, he was adding. It, it happened in the past. Luke is talking about it happening in the past as an ongoing occurrence. That's why, that's why Luke adds the, the phrase day by day or every day. It was an ongoing occurrence. It just kept happening day after day. They were like, well, who's, who is God going to add to us today? Is he going to add 3,000 at a time? Holy cow, could we assimilate that kind of growth? No, but God could. God could. Could we handle uh, every day someone coming to faith? Could you disciple that many people? How many people would that be? If one was added every day for the next year, for the next calendar year, 365 could you disciple that many people? You're thinking, oh man, there's no way we could do that. God can do it. God's got this under control. He does it. Look, the, the point here is that these, the followers of Jesus were simply living in community. That's all they were doing. They didn't have a church growth plan. They didn't have a stra- strategic or a, or a master strategy for how to grow their church. They didn't have those things. They lived in community, they did life together, and it was God who made new followers of Jesus. This is an example of how God, he's the one who makes his church grow. So Jesus told this parable. Mark chapter 4, he told the parable of a farmer who goes and plants the seeds, and then what does he do? He goes to sleep, and he gets up. And he checks on things, and he does things around his farm, and he goes to sleep, and he checks up. He doesn't do anything about the ground, except for to make sure that it's ready. I mean, according to the parable, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not why, or knows not how. He doesn't know how it happened. So yeah, so maybe in our context today, we we know a little bit more about how seeds grow and about things like that. But the point Jesus was trying to make is that's the kingdom of God. God is the one who makes it grow. Paul explained this later to the Corinthians when he said, look, I planted the seed and this guy Apollos watered it, but God gave the growth. So it's not about me and it's not about him. We're nothing. It's only about God who gives the growth. See, God will make his church grow. Do we, as the river church, want to see God do this? 
I'm seeing a few nots. Absolutely. Are we willing to adjust our lives in order to share meals together? Are we willing to risk, like Hirsch said, risk the adventure of doing life together? If we're not, if we're not willing to adjust to an actual very simple pattern of life, if we're not willing to adjust to what God has given us in his word, then we have no reason to complain when God chooses not to grow his church and not to make the river church grow. We don't have any excuses. All we need to do is adjust to God and his word. That goes for everything. But in this context, when we're talking about community, that's what he's doing here. That's the pattern he's giving us. Here's another, here's another quote by Hirsch. Community describes the dynamics of the Christian community inspired to overcome their instincts to huddle and cuddle. Hmm. And to instead form themselves around a common mission that calls them on to a dangerous journey to unknown places, a mission that calls the church to shake off its collective securities and to plunge into the world of action. Ha <laughs> ha. Wow. In other words, we're not just here to fill seats in a, in a row of chairs in a building at any time, at any place. Not when, we are, not when we move out of here, not when we have our own property and our own building. No. In fact, I would prefer that never happen if it meant we were faithfully discipling and living in community together. I'd prefer that that never happened. If that became a substitute for God doing something great among us and among the people in this church, or in this, in this city, excuse me, well, and in this church as well, then I'd prefer we didn't have those things. We are on a mission, and it takes a community to accomplish that mission. So here's something I wrote down, and I actually put it up there for you. At the River Church... Our missional communities are about connecting people together for the purpose of transforming the community in which they live. So, missional communities are actually communities within communities. Our missional communities are made up of individuals and families who are committed to sharing their lives by meeting and eating together regularly, learning to follow Jesus together, learning our individual stories, meeting needs within the missional community, inviting others into community, and serving others together. That seems like a lot of activity, but it all comes down to doing life together. So, if our mission as a church... And this has been stated and printed before many times, and you've seen it. But our mission as a church is to make disciples by transforming... Jake has a shirt right there. It's on the back of his shirt. Transforming lives, families, and communities. And then we add this tagline, because it's not, it's not us doing anything. It's with the good news of Jesus. It's the good news of Jesus that does the transforming. Let me share with you, as, as we're closing here... Let me share with you a few rhythms, um, a few habits to add to what we've already seen from, from God's Word here about community. These are, these are rhythms that make for effective disciple-makers or disciple-making. It's what communities do. They have a rhythm of knowing the story. That's why, that's why folks, we have established every missional community with the story of God. We want to know God's story we want to understand how 
it fits into our own stories. And more, actually more accurately, how our own, own stories fit into his story. So we, we, we develop a rhythm of knowing the story. We always go back to knowing the story. And a rhythm of listening. A rhythm of listening. We all listen to things all the time. But how many of us are listening to the Holy Spirit more than we, sh- than, than we, than we are already? We need to. And what we need to do is learn to listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks through the story in community. Chris, do you mind if I say the, mention something that we talked about yesterday? We were talking yesterday, uh, Chris and Jessica and I and my wife, we were visiting. Um, and, and Chris said something about, you know, I, I, I've been reading the Bible, and, right? And, and it's been good, but I, I really want to, you know, get together with some other people. I want that so I can learn better, right? We learn. See, some of us have gotten so good for so long at reading our Bibles that we think that that's all, that, that's all there is to it. Let's just get together, me and me and the Bible, and we'll read through it. No, we get in community, and we listen to the Holy Spirit who speaks through community. He speaks through each other, and we, we help each other. We correct each other. We, rebu- we, we reproof each other. We train each other, right? We help each other. We listen. So we develop that rhythm of listening. That's why the Bible is central to in all of our missional community gatherings. There's also the rhythm of celebrating. Celebrating. We enjoy each other. We, we throw the best parties. I don't, that doesn't happen very often among Christians, unfortunately. But we have every reason to throw the best parties because we belong to, to God's family. It's awesome. How are we doing at that rhythm? And then there's, then he mentions the rhythm of eating. Do I need to say more on that one? He said, the point is, we already eat 21 meals a, a week. Some of us a little bit more. <clears throat> Some of us maybe a little bit less. Well, I skip breakfast, you know, this and whatever. Okay, but on average, there's about 21 opportunities to eat during the week. What, how can we use that rhythm within our community together? How can we eat with other people? What would happen if you began eating with the people who you have named on your transformation cards that you're praying for? You're saying, well, I want these people to be saved. What would happen if you actually started eating meals with those people? What would, what would happen if you invited those people into your missional community and you shared the meals with them and celebrated together with them? Does that sound risky? Probably. There's also the rhythm of bless. The rhythm of bless or blessing. One of our goals um, with our transformation, transformation cards is to find a way to bless those people every week. We look for opportunities. We are, if we are alert to them and we are, have our eyes open, we're seeing needs. And we're seeing how we need to reach out and bless that family. We need to bless those folks. How are we doing at that? I mean, imagine what would happen again if our missional communities worked together to bless those people. And not occasionally, not just once a, a couple of times or once or twice a year. Not at a special programmed event, but actually said, let's go out of our way to take some time to be a blessing to these people. And we did that every week. What would that change? How would that change the way outsiders looked at our community? Would they look with favor? 
And then the fi- and finally, a rhythm that we don't think about much at all, but it's the rhythm of recreate. God created the world, and he rested from his world and enjoyed it, and then guess what? He left us to go on to procreate and to go on to build cities and cultures. So how are we as a community participating with God to make the world a better place? Or, or to participate in creating beauty? Or creating art? Creating music? What are we going to do as, a missional commun- as missional communities to recreate? I want to share, and I'm going to share briefly, because there's just so much good stuff here, but I want to share with you a, just a, a little bit of a story of how this got put into action. And um, Caesar uh, Kanislowski... Um, is that how I s- Kalinowski, sorry, he's going to kill me if he ever hears this. Probably won't. Um, shared this story. And, he, and since it's in print, I'm going to share it. Because he printed it and he published it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read part of it with you. So he, he, lear- he met a guy in his neighborhood. His name was Hal. And he got to know Hal because every time he would walk by his house, he'd be borrowing a friend's lawnmower and he'd walk by Hal's house and he noticed that his, his front yard was never cut. And he said, hey, you know, I'm walking by your house all the time. Would you mind if I, I mean, would you be interested in me just cutting your lawn? I could just, I'm going by. She's like, all you've got is this electric lawnmower and it's, it's a pain for you to get out. And the guy was an old man. And, and so he said, okay, I'll do this. So they, he got, he struck up a relationship. Then he invited him over to some parties and some, some get togethers. They had all the time in their missional community. And the guy would come over and he hung at, hang out and he was an old man and, and he'd bring his oxygen tank with him and they'd have a good time and they'd get together. Um, they do these things together and and the, he would come into this community of a bunch of a bunch of kind of young um, middle aged kind of urban hipsters, maybe some tattoos or some piercings and things like that, and he would just mingle right with them this old World War II veteran and so they would get together and they'd do these things and Hal just started kind of being part of the community. Well, he was married to and his wife um, was, was going to go out of town for a while and, he said, and she said, hey, could you just check on Hal a bit? You know, I'm going to be gone for a couple of weeks or so. I, he didn't say how long he was going to be gone. But he said, would you check in on him? So he's like, yeah, no problem. So I'll check on him. So if he, he said, I'm going to read this to you, just word for word. He said, so I see his car. I know he's home. He's not coming to the door. He knocked. He's not coming to the door. To the door. Finally, he opens the door, and he's in his pajamas, and it's 3 in the afternoon. He's like, come in, come in. He's like, he says, are you okay, brother? What's going on, Hal? He says, oh, come on in. My feet are killing me. I can't even stand. He, he said, I look down, and his feet are like super swollen and cracking and dry. And there's, okay, I'm not going to, they look nasty. And he says, what in the world happened to your feet? He's like, oh, come in. I, I can't even say, come, come up. Follow me. So he said, I follow him up to his bedroom. I'd never been up there before. Been over many times. Been over to his little pub in the basement, but I had never been to his room. He takes me up there, and he lays down on his little bed and props those feet up. And I'm sitting there, his feet are like, eh. He's like, Hal, tell me, what's up with your feet, man? You get around pretty well. What's going on? He says, well, there's this ointment, this lotion that my wife puts on my feet, but I can't reach my feet, and she's out of town. 
And I'm like, really? And I'm looking at his feet. I'm looking at his feet and he goes, yeah, it's that lotion right there on the dresser. And he's like, feet, lotion, feet, lotion. So you know where he's going, right? So I said, Hal, would it be okay if I put some lotion on your feet? And he's like, oh, that would be awesome. So he said, I ran home. I got my hazmat suit on, double gloves. Anyway. So the next, for the next couple of weeks, I got to bless my brother, Hal, with this. Because they were in community together. They had, he had rhythms where he did life together. They celebrated together. They enjoyed one another. They just kept on loving this guy. He was an outsider. He wasn't even part of their church. But he was invited into the community, and they loved him. He died. And Caesar said that as it happens, he said, my heart was broken because I don't think he fully came to know the Lord. But I've always wondered, what was the deal? Why did God put this man into our life? About a year after this, Guy passed away. We were doing some church planter training back in Tacoma. And a guy comes to me and says, do you know this guy named Nick? He lives in Puyallup. That's Cheryl's old hometown. He says, you don't know where that's at, but it's like a half hour away. And he said, no, no, I, I, I think I know where it's at. I know where it's at. He says, well, I think he knows you. And Caesar's like, okay, well, a lot of people know me. I'm kind of a big deal. And he's just kidding. But he said, I, I don't think I do. He goes, well, I think you know his dad. And I said, oh, okay. He said, his dad lived in your neighborhood. And I guess you used to take care of him a little bit. It's like, oh, How? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's the guy. And so this, this man proceeded to say, this, this guy, he's been in our neighborhood, and he's complete non-believer. And he kind of rejects everything. But we were telling him about this community we were trying to get together, this missional community where we do life together. And, and we told him we want to live in the neighborhood, and we want to bless people and love everyone and serve them, and we invited him to be a part of it. And he goes, well, I don't really do this church thing, but you know what? There were these people that lived in my dad's neighborhood, and that's how they loved him. If that's what you're trying to do, I want to be a part of it. And this man, this church planter, was like, are you kidding me? And Caesar was like, are you kidding me? Is this what this is all about? The guy asked. So now this guy has joined, Hal's son has joined into the rhythm of the community in this new church plant. So let me suggest, this is Caesar again, he says, let me suggest to you, if you feel like your life is so jam-packed that you cannot do discipleship and live on mission, would you get a different rhythm? Find a different rhythm of doing life. Maybe you're in a rhythm that's just not God's rhythm. God has given you all perfect rhythm. It comes right from his story. It comes right from God's word. We've seen it this morning. What rhythms here are missing in your life? What rhythms are missing in your family? What rhythms are missing in your missional community? Will you commit to share meals? Do life together? Will you share that life with those people who are far from God? That's really what it's all about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
first of all, God, I thank you that we're ta- when we're talking about community here, we're not talking about something that we have to create ourselves. God, you've already created the community. You have made we, you have made children, and you are forming them into the image of your son Jesus. You've made us already. We are already a community. We have but to walk in that, to follow your spirit, to be in the community on mission, living these kinds of rhythms that your word gives us plainly to live out. God, help us to to conform our lives to your word, not to the patterns of the world, but to be renewed be transformed as you renew our minds through your word. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to be about, God. So, God, I pray that you will help us in that. Give us the strength to let go of rhythms that are not bringing people into the kingdom and to get on board with rhythms that will, that will show your, your grace in, and power in awesome ways day in and day out, God. And may you add numbers of of followers of Jesus to our community day by day, God. That's what we ask for. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a time of response. And so um, I want to ask you all to stand. And sing with me one last song. Inside our rebel hearts We're laying down our weapons now We raise our white flag We surrender all to you All for you We raise our white flag The war is over Love has come Your love has won Here on this holy ground You made a way for peace Laying your body down You took our rightful place This freedom song is marching on We raise our white flag We surrender all to you All for you
you. We raise our white flag. The war is over. Love has come. Your love has come. We raise. We raise our white flag. We surrender all to you. All for you. We raise our white flag. The war is over. Love has come. Your love has come. Sing it out. We lift the cross, lift it high, lift it high. We lift the cross, lift it high, lift it high. We lift the cross, lift it high, lift it high. We lift the cross, lift it high, lift it high. Sing it again. We lift the cross, lift it high, lift it high. We lift the cross, lift it high, lift it high. We lift the cross, lift it high, lift it high. We lift the cross, lift it high, lift it high. We raise our white flag, we surrender all to you, all for you. We raise our white flag, the war is over, love has come, your love has come, your love has come, your love has won, sing it again, your love has come, your love has won. Folks, I don't know what um, exactly... God has spoken to your heart about this morning, but don't leave without responding to it. And um, I'd love to pray with you. I know we're we're a family, we're a community. This is what we are. And um, we we have to conform ourselves to his word. And so I I pray that God will do that work in our hearts. It's not going to be easy. It will be risky. It will be an adventure. But when we go out on mission, we know God is with us. He's promised never to leave us or forsake us. He has given us the authority to go as a community. So let's do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for (coughs) this time we had this morning. Thank you for your word spoken to us. God, I thank you for the the worship, um, the, the hearts that are here lifting you up. We, we lift you up. We lift up your cross, as the words of the song says. God, we, uh, we thank you for what you've done to make us a community on mission. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to walk in it. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless y'all. Don't forget to make sure you greet some of our guests before you leave this morning. Thanks. <laughs>